welcome to Thriving as a Physician, the podcast that teaches you to thrive in your weight loss and life while juggling a packed physician schedule, because you deserve to thrive. Each week, I share sustainable, enjoyable tools that work in your busy life so that you can reach all of your goals faster with more confidence. Everything in this podcast is backed by my experience as an obesity medicine physician, years of coaching physicians on weight loss and eating, and my own personal weight loss journey. Let's get thriving. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 264 of the Thriving as a Physician podcast, How to Lose Weight and Love Your Life. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. I am really excited to have a very good friend on the podcast again with me that is always a fan favorite every time she comes on. Dr. Sarah Smith is joining me and we are talking about sustainable clinical medicine. So Dr. Sarah Smith is um, the charting coach, she runs a program called Charting Champions, which is definitely worth a check if you haven't checked it out. And she now has a podcast called Sustainable Clinical Medicine, too. So what we talk about in this interview is all sorts of tips about how do we actually make the practice of medicine more sustainable? I think you're going to love it. Check it out now. All right. Welcome to the podcast, sir. I'm so excited to have you back. We were just talking behind the scenes about how It's been like forever since we've actually been able to talk face-to-face, so I'm excited to hang out this morning and talk about sustainable medicine and the intersection between creating sustainable days and how it impacts eating and and weight for physicians. So can you introduce yourself to everybody? Let them know who you are and what you do. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Siobhan. I'm Sarah Smith. I am a rural family physician. I also work in the emergency department in patients and long-term care. And my mission in the world is to help physicians and clinicians create sustainable clinical medicine. That is my ulterior motive, is to help you all home with the work of the day done. So that is what I have just loved, loved, loved helping across the whole spectrum of working clinical practice. So yeah, let's dive in. And you just started a podcast this year based on the same topic, which is exciting to see. So let's talk about sustainable because it might not be a word a lot of physicians associate with their medical practice. So can you talk more about how you came to focus on that? For sure. I had the personal experience of really feeling like medicine was consuming all of my life, including the pieces of my life that I wanted to be in involved with. So my priorities were getting overtaken by medicine. So whether that be the mental load of unfinished work or incomplete work or things left to do, it was consuming that ability to have guilt-free time with family, always thinking about what's still left to do and the, the day never ending. So I might go home in time for dinner, but I wasn't done. And then that would require more and more of my evenings or weekends being used up to finish the work of the day. And we know the system has a lot 
to be improved. However, that might be years or decades away or may never be fixable. It's one of those really wicked problems that has such complexity to fix it that we needed help right now within the environments that we find ourselves right now. And so that is what I now love to do. So first fixing me within my clinical day so that I could have evenings and weekends back and getting bucket loads of time. And then that understanding of, well, what are the ways we do that? And then how do we now help other physicians create that for themselves as well? So when I'm talking about sustainable, I'm talking about what is medicine costing us right now? What are we delaying or putting off because of medicine that we would prefer to be doing? What are our priorities that we would like to start to look after? Because no one else respects our time. That's really our job. No one else understands the demands of you and what you have to do, what the work of the day looks like for you. And as we start to notice our clinical day and start to make adjustments to account for the things that we can or can't control, then we can start to create a more sustainable way of doing medicine. I love that because it's totally true, right? It, there's a lot of talk about the system and absolutely the system is broken and everybody that works in the system is aware of it. Mm-hmm. But the reality is there's probably things that we still like about medicine. Like I've, I think we've all had fantasies about what's it, what would it be like to leave medicine and go on my bad days? It's like, maybe I'll just go work in a drive through because that just looks like really nice <laughs> compared to what I'm dealing with. We've all had those fantasies, but the reality is there's something that we still like and that is still matters to us within medicine. And being able to empower ourselves to take some control over how our day feels, even in the face of a broken system, I think is so amazing. Do you remember the first time that you realized, wait, I actually could have control over this? Like when you're making change in your own life? I heard a sentence from a coach that said that joy is available to you right now. And I thought Mm. to myself, "Mm, no, (laughs) you don't understand. (laughs) It's available when these notes are done. (laughs) (laughs) Joy is available to you right now. And I'm like, that's for sure not true. And here's all the reasons why. And I would have this story about patients have too many issues. They take too long. They, I'm trapped here. I can't do anything else. I don't have any other skills in life. There's nothing else I could do. I'm so frustrated by, you know, the inbox, the charting, the forms, the, the constant demands of my time. That is completely impossible. And the other thing that I heard was she was talking to a doctor, this particular coach, and she said to the doctor, well, you think 20 patients a day is a lot of patients. And I'm like, she doesn't understand. 20 patients is a lot of patients. (laughs) She's like, you're believing that 20 patients is hard. I'm like, but it is. And then as I started to do this work and noticed that actually, just like I'm the only one who can control my own time, like no one else will look after me and my time, that's my job. No one else will look after how I'm showing up in my day. So if I'm showing up in dread and overwhelm and frustration and irritation, it's because 
my story about my day is, this is too hard. I hate this. I can't do this. Don't keep asking me things. Like the sentences in my head were about my clinical day were terrible. And Mm. on the other side of the change, so changing, like every part of my day changed, but the start was really joy could be possible. Interesting. Wait, 20 patients isn't immediately factually hard. What? What else is available? And so starting to even have those few moments of, you know, that was fun, (laughs) that encounter. Oops, I said fun associated with my clinical day. (laughs) It was almost like a, oh, wait a minute. That was kind of fun. (laughs) And, oh, getting that note done, oh, that feels great. And let's try that again. And then taking those little moments and noticing, actually, the other side of the story is also true. Yes, I'm still frustrated. And there's moments of joy. Hmm. And then also noticing what is making me dread and what could I start to put in place to make that dread feel less? What am I allowing my patients' words that come out of their mouth, of how letting me be affected by that? And what else could be true, right? And so noticing I can have joy. I can decide I'm doing a good job even when patients do what patients do. <laughs> staff do what staff do. Patients turn up late. Staff ask me questions. You know, the things that were happening within the day and I'm showing up differently, And I'm suddenly Mm -hmm. having different experience of clinical medicine. I'm like, oh, oh, she was right. So on the other, other side of that obstacle course, I'm seeing 20 to 30 to, I I even did a 40 day just for fun, (laughs) just to try it out. I'm like, I'm going to test this theory to its fullest. I had a day where I'm like, okay, I'm going to sign up for a very big day. I'm going to have a student doctor with me. So I've got a learner. I'm going to see 40 patients. I'm going to go home with all my work done and we're going to have some fun. And creating that, not an everyday experience. I'm not one who wants to sign up for 40 every day, but just being able to say, look, I can do it. Yeah, you know, I love that. And I re- thinking back to my own experience, you know, before I discovered that I actually could have control over this type of stuff and how stressful, like I would finish, sometimes finish my notes, maybe on the Sunday, maybe on the early Monday morning, and then just get going. And I just, I like viscerally remember that feeling of being on this never ending hamster wheel and being unable to get off. And having anxiety about another week starting and just wishing for Friday to hurry up and get here, hoping I wasn't on call. The way I think about the difference is that version of me back then took everything on, right? Like I can almost picture myself like a squirrel gathering nuts. (laughs) So going through the day and like, oh, like this patient is upset. Okay, I'm taking that on. It must have something to do with me. And there's conflict out front with the staff. And one of my practice partners is struggling with something. And it was like all these, just taking all these little extra nuts on Mm. and carrying them and never putting any of them down, which then gets exhausting and it slows you down. Like when you're trying to actually get your work done and you're taking on everybody's stuff and personalizing it, it slows you down. And I think one of the big things I do is I'm much better at letting people have their own stuff. Like there can be conflict in the office. There can be patients that are 
unhappy about something, frustrated with their medical situation, all the different things. And I can be there, be empathetic as I need to be, but not own it. And it's a much lighter way to go through the day. That's well said. I like the way you've said that because people do have bad days. They have an attitude. They don't want to take your advice. They uh, want to argue with you. All of those things still happen and you can let them have their story and look after you within that piece. Yeah, so good. Let's talk a little bit about the impact outside of medicine when it's not sustainable. And, you know, what I love to talk about is eating. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the biggest things that impacts physicians eating. And, you know, when a physician says to me, I know what to do. I just need to get myself to do it. This is one of the biggest things that's playing a role. And it has these like domino effects of like you're stressing and like anticipating a tough day. You're stressed throughout the day. You sacrifice your self-care because you're just so stressed and you can't focus on actually slowing down to do something for yourself. You maybe skip your lunch because there's just so much work to do and you're just trying to get through and you just push yourself through till the end of the day, just trying to get all the work done. But also knowing that there's still more work to do in the evening. And of course you come home and eat. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, that's the impact of it. And it's almost... And obviously, I have the benefit of been doing this work for so long. But now when I look back in retrospect, because I at one time was like, why the hell do I eat like this? (laughs) Why can't I stop making giant bowls of popcorn once the kids go to bed? And looking back, I'm like, of course I was, because my life honestly sucked a fair bit back then. Of course, I was trying to fix it before I went to bed and just feel a little bit of joy, like what you're talking about. What are your thoughts? One of the questions I like to ask physicians is, what is medicine costing you right now? And the way to find the answer for yourself is you just take your current experience of clinical medicine for what it is, right? All of it. And then we take you 10 years in the future. And if you're having exactly the same experience of clinical medicine, what would it have cost you? So what have you not been able to get to? What do we keep delaying? about our life, our priorities, because of medicine. And the interesting thing is the answers. So like you said, the eating, like the nutrition, the things we tell our patients to do, but we're not doing ourselves. Exercise. Physicians who haven't exercised in years. Reading a book for pleasure, not because we're looking up patients' weird symptoms. (laughs) Family time. Like that time to be the parent you want to be or to get to the game that you want to get to or to go and do that experience you want to do with your family, right? You keep putting it off because it'll get better one day or I don't have time right now. Whatever that constant little voice says to you is the cost of medicine right now. It could be under earning because you are now diluting your income by working hours and hours in the evening or just mm-hmm. this thought that this is unsustainable to do it in this way and we're losing physicians, right? Because they leave medicine because it's too hard to do it this way. I can't figure out a way out, so I will leave. So that Mm -hmm. then creates further physician exit from medicine. The clinical situation they're in right now to reinvent themselves in a different area of medicine that can feel lighter or easier or less consuming. And you're right, we're humans. We're a human machine. We need to look after ourselves within our day. We need water. We need rest. If we think about it 
as a group of us, not just individually. When you're seeing your colleague working in the emergency department or in the clinical day and they're still there at the end of the day working and working and working, how delighted are they to come back tomorrow and do the same thing? So when we start to look after each other and say, hey, I noticed that, you know, you're still here. Like, you need to rest. How can we help you? This is us problem, not just as an individual. There's only a finite amount of us. And medicine will take all of it if we let it. That, that's really important. There's only a finite amount of you. And it'll take all of it and nobody will thank you at the end. I no. think this is a reality that I learned Years ago, watching physicians who are ahead of me, like you can burn yourself out, you can lose your marriage, you can develop health concerns, and the community will, you know, re- remember you and have support for you. But there's no like big thank you cookie at the end when those bad things happen. No. And when you do, you know, you do have to step away for health reasons or burnout. The work keeps happening. It's like there's a fluid thing that fills the void that we thought we were irreplaceable for, mm-hmm. right? Like we often push ourselves to this way because we think we're irreplaceable. And if we don't do it, the work won't happen. I think that's a really good thought to question because I don't think it's actually true. I think the work that needs to happen will happen in some way, even if you're not the one to do it. Yeah. And there's a level of attention to the work that needs to be done, right? So we're the expert here and we know what needs to be done that's satisfactory. We want to do everything, tick every box, make sure every loose end is tied up. And that pursuit can really chew up our time. So this is where physicians feel like they're in that perfectionist mode that they just can't let it go. They can't let somebody else do it because they won't do it as well. And there's finite amount of you. So now we need to decide like what is of priority that you've decided is priority work and how do you get to that in a way that is good enough Mm -hmm. and really looking after you to say, how can I create time for me too? Because if you don't rest, you might still be here. (laughs) Or you'll be here and you'll be miserable and you'll be inefficient, right? Because I really think as you get more miserable and you get more burnt out, and dissatisfied, it impacts your efficiency. It's harder to get through those days. I was going to say, I think an interesting thing for us to talk about might be the concept of urgency versus importance, Mm -hmm. especially right now in the the state of definitely the Canadian healthcare system where everything is short-staffed. None of the systems seem to be working the way we would like them to be working. And I've heard from my clients in the States that it's there's similar stuff happening down there. But we can be exposed to a lot of other people's urgency, which if you're a squirrel, like what I was talking about, it's easy to like pick that nut of their urgency up and try to carry it and take those tasks because they're offering them to you with urgency. But it doesn't mean it's a priority. What are your thoughts on that? The patient will always have something else and the inbox will always keep filling up, right? So you're right. Things come in with emotion and you can feel trapped by that. And it's this piece of noticing you as you're within your clinical day, just that kind of third person in yourself, watching yourself to start to respond to that 
and stay curious and be like, what did that cost me? What did I say yes to that I'm now saying, oh, I got to do that later. One of the examples was the patients who hand you the form at the end of the visit and they're like, you can do that later or you can do that when you get time. Right? Just a simple offhanded, here you go. And my brain would say, there's an hour of my life gone, right? Yeah. Because I didn't have a process to deal with that. I'm like, well, that'll just kind of hang out until I get time, which was weekends, many, many weekends of just trying to get to these things that I really didn't enjoy. This second job that was very underpaid or paid, not paid at all, creating that because I've said yes on one end. So it's that there's the ask and the ask will always happen. The great thing about medicine is you will have 20 opportunities a day to practice this, right? Because you'll get a second problem in the room, a third problem in the room, a fourth problem in the room, a form at the end of the visit. Like we get opportunity and I had never realized, like even noticed what I was saying yes to. And that step back is saying, wait a minute, how did these all collect on the right-hand side of my desk? Oh, it's because I keep mm-hmm. just taking them and I have no rules. Hmm, what do I want to do with them? Well, no one ever asked me. No one ever told me how to do it. I had asked every mentor, I'm like, how do you do these paperwork? How do you do the forms? And they're like, hey, just come in Sunday I don't want to come in on Sunday anymore. And starting to say, Mm -hmm. what would I do as a process? How could I start to redesign this in a way that looks after me so that I can get to them and not have to give it up two weekends? So how did you redesign it? Everybody's on their seat. (laughs) Can you (laughs) tell us how you did it? Starting to notice what, what is the asks of the day. So we've got the patient protected time where we're seeing patients and closing charts. And then we've got everything else. So start to really be curious about what is everything else. So there'll be some forms, there'll be inboxes, there's messages, there's my chart, there's people come and talk to you, all of the things, just start to notice them. And then start to be curious, what is a priority? What do I really need to handle that's of priority? There's things that you will know about your inbox that need to be done first, they may not be the easy ones, so you might leave them to last, thinking that I'll get to everything and then I'll get to those. Turn it around. Be the boss. Decide what I need to prioritize and get to right away. And then the form. So they hand you the form and they're like, when you got time? And you're like, I didn't get time. You go and rebook an appointment. I will see you for this one in person. Then there were others. I'm like, that's a three-minute job. I can do that right this second. And then there were the big ones that I didn't want the patient there for particularly. I wanted to set aside time somewhere in this week or this month that I will do that. So it's noticing what are the forms I get? What are my rules? When do I want to do them? Patient yes or no with me. Maybe I get the patient to pre-fill it. You go ahead, write it out, drop it back when you're done, and then I'll fill it in from there. Even the having an assistant who knows what needs to go with this form, what x-rays, what consultation notes need to be attached to this form and teaching that person how to do that because that's going to save you a lot of time. So I would fill in the form and then rummage through that chart for an hour trying to find all the things to go with that form. That was a lot of work. I was a very expensive secretary at that moment. Okay. And yet, if I said to our person who helps us, hey, what would you attach to this form and just get their idea? Maybe they know better than me. Maybe they have no idea and I can teach them and say, don't send it. 
give it back to me so I can check your work. I can help you learn if you miss something. And that onboarding process creates an investment to our time. I think that's really good. A question that came up for me while we were talking about not always doing everything that's asked is especially for our friends in the States where they are kind of ruled by patient satisfaction surveys Mm -hmm. or they play a big part. How would you speak to their concerns of if I say no, if I set a boundary in that room, Mm -hmm. it's potentially going to negatively impact my income if I get bad patient satisfaction scores from it? Yeah. So again, there's only a finite amount of you and we have been given guidelines to this appointment length by somebody else usually. So it could be that you chose this appointment schedule. It could be that your employer chose this schedule, but you've given X minutes with the patient. So we're looking at all the minutes and seconds. Some of the things we do within that encounter create a big time cost. Like how are you today is a big time cost versus good to see you today. It's not a question. It's just a statement. Mm. So things like that can free up some minutes within the encounter. And then those satisfaction scores, what we do with them, that's available to us. So we can decide I'm a good or bad doctor based on somebody else's opinion. Or you can decide that even if I spent the next five hours with that person, they were never giving me a five. Okay, it's because of who they are. I can do a five-star work and that report is because of somebody else's human brain making a decision. And it may not have been anything to do with me. Could have been the receptionist who booked them in this morning, gave them a sour taste in their mouth. It was the booking process, which I have nothing to do with. It was the rescheduling process that I also had nothing to do with. Right? So we, that people-pleasing part the other human's brain is going to do what the other human's brain does. When we're deferring something in the room, so say they ask, oh, I just want to, you know, mention, if we have time, I'd like to. If we're coming at that question with, I don't have time for that right now, I don't get my lunch, blah, 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 that's all about you, the patient doesn't care. Patients are very self-centered, right? Of course they are. They don't care if you had lunch or didn't have lunch. They don't care if you had water today or had night shift last night. Nothing to do with them. They just want their problem solved. It's that patient, it's the language we use with patients is really important. So you'll need to find your own language. But it's about the patient and their problem and the, the ability to do your best for them. So you're an expert, right? So when you go to the hairdresser, for a haircut, and you say, can I have a color too today? She says, no, we didn't book you for color. You don't want a five-minute color, which you don't. We understand that. But when we're asked, hey, quick question, I have back pain, as the expert in the room, you know that's not a five-minute job or a 30-second job. It's a lot of questions to go into trying to navigate this sort of pain that they're presenting with, You know, there's some important questions to triage to make sure we're safe to defer the question. And then we let them know, I want to do a good job for this. Let's rebook this so we can do a good job to understand this back pain and get it fixed up 
or get to understand what it is. That's that negotiation piece, right? As the expert in the room, the expert within the encounter. We can feel trapped in there and do 15 things and they'll still have another three. And so we need to learn how do we negotiate this if we're going to do our best and quality care for patients. And you get to say yes to as many things as you want to. You're the boss. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a very good point that some of the satisfaction within a conversation isn't how much do you do. It's do I feel heard? Do I feel like this person in front of me cares about me? And do I feel that they like want to help. Mm-hmm. And you can express those exactly how you've said without doing everything at that moment that it's asked. Yeah. It's that relearning of quality and language that we're using with patients. Then there are times that you will stay and do multiple things because you've decided to, and that's Okay. And then there's times you do them because you feel trapped and you feel frustrated and irritated. And that's not getting you good satisfaction scores either because you are floundering in there, feeling heated and overworked, hurry and haste because you've got 15 people waiting out in the waiting room now while you try and make this person happy. It's a terrible trap situation. (laughs) And just understanding as you watch yourself doing those types of encounters and the knowing, oh, I see what happened. Mm-hmm. everybody happy and it's nothing to do with you. You're not the one who's deciding that they're happy. Their brain gets to decide if they're happy. I think those are very good points. Any last tips that you want to share with a physician listening who might be like, I don't even know where to start to make my day sustainable. <laughs> so just look at little steps. Just what could I do that could help me create a more sustainable day? within the environment that you work right now without, you know, hiring new staff or chopping 30% of your patients off your list. It's really about what do I need? It could be I need to stop and get some water. I need to, you know, what is a little small change you could make and let it be messy. You don't have to come up with a different experience of clinical medicine tomorrow. You could just have to desire one. You just have to say, I want this different. I want it better than it is right now. What is it that I could do to start to help me within this environment? Yeah, I think very good points. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do? So on the podcast, Sustainable Clinical Medicine is where I love to interview experts and other people in the world who have change their clinical day or website is chartingcoach.ca or on Instagram is chartingcoach. Excellent. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. It's been super fun. I agree. Thanks for having me. Wasn't that so good? I love having a chance to sit down and talk to Sarah. We don't get to talk often enough, but it's so much fun when we do. Make sure you check out her podcast, Sustainable Clinical Medicine. I was on there not too long ago. So if you want to have a listen to my conversation, check it out and make sure that you head over to wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you could leave it a review, I would love that. Plus, this would be an episode that would be fantastic to share with your physician friends. Everybody needs to learn how to make medicine more sustainable. 
the way we were taught to do it was not sustainable. And we all need these tools. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic week. Bye-bye.